Hey guys, I'm David, and welcome to Cucumber Talks. Each week, I sit down with my friends Bryce and Marshall to chat about what's going on in our lives. Our goal is to have honest, vulnerable, and sometimes uncomfortable conversations about our struggles and successes. This week, we decided to switch things up. We have a few topics we plan to debate on over the next few weeks, possibly more. This week, we'll be discussing whether the U.S. is the best country to live in. Marshall and I will argue for, and Bryce is arguing against. This is a friendly discussion among friends, which we hope you'll enjoy. So we've got a, a real-life debate moderator here with real, real experience. Let's. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's jump into it. No, yeah, it was. It was like I want to say it was three or four years ago, maybe. How did that even happen? Yeah, I had a friend who he was a pastor actually, who came down and taught at at our church, and he has legit. I think it's eight kids. Um, it's a lot of par, kids. That's par for the course for a pastor, though. I mean, I don't know. It's that's pushing it even for the circles I ran in for pastors. It feels like there's a lot of people who have lots of kids sometimes, but being a pastor and uh, having eight kids, I think he, I think he's the pastor that has the most kids that I personally know. Anyway, regardless, uh, his kids were in this debate. I guess tournament. I'm not sure what they called them, but it, you know, they, they actually traveled from I think Columbus or not Columbus, um, Cleveland, Ohio down to, to do this at a, at a school here. <laughs> and so they were mentioning that they needed people to be uh, moderators or I guess judges as well. I don't, depending upon how you think of it. And um, so me being me, I was like, sure, that sounds like something I'd be interested in doing. And it was a lot of fun. There were, there were, we were talking about it before we started. What, what exactly are your responsibilities as a debate moderator? <laughs> you just like, all right, next, next, uh, next side present. Yeah. As the moderator side of things, it was really, uh, you know, I mean, you're in a classroom and there's like, I don't remember eight, but eight kids or something like that. And there's some judges. And so you're just asking kids to come up and present their arguments and sort of reading a script that said, okay, here's the format that we're going to go in. First person's going to have two minutes and then the next person's going to have two minutes. And so you just kind of read the script and oh, then uh, introduce the next person and and they go through and, and do it. And it's, were you, were you also a judge? Um, I not at the same, I, I don't think they had it at the same time being like, I wasn't like a judge and a moderator, I don't think. But uh, yeah, depending upon which ones. So the judge ones where they would give you like a, what's it called, a rubric? And uh, just score based upon how, you know, how convincing they were, how well they followed whatever the format was or, or you know, how well they spoke. <laughs> it's oh. one of those things I would recommend everybody in the world to do one time at least. <laughs> <laughs> be a debate moderator <laughs> add that add that to my bucket list when the opportunity presents itself raise your hand <laughs> i have in a like informal sense in the esl classes yeah nothing well, and you said you you did something with debate back in school like i never actually i was never in a debate class in I, I did speech classes in college but i was never in a debate mm. class so 
I didn't even have that much experience to understand what yeah, I was not, getting into. <laughs> now that I think of it, I'm I'm not sure if I ever took a debate class. Maybe it was just built into the speech class. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure mine was a debate class though. We just like had week after week of different topic, abortion, like whatever. And <laughs> we just came guns blazing. <laughs> All right. So you, you you're gonna sweep I, the floor. You're gonna sweep the floor with me today. No, no. No. I uh it was so boring. I mean, it was fun, but it was boring. All the structure was just boring. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not oh, going to be, we're not going to be too structured here. No, but... let's just have fun. <laughs> yeah. With all that said, <laughs> let's launch into a different format. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> now, just for anybody listening, we wanted to change the format a bit and kind of talk about one topic. And then debate might not be the best word for it, but discuss, have a conversation, share some points of view, practice disagreeing, practice being confident about positions that we might have or just things that we believe. Um, So we'll see, might turn into a bit of a series, but uh, for now, we'll start off with one and see, see how it goes, see how, see how friendly and fun it is. Um, So the topic that we started with wanted to start with is living in the u.s and particularly that the usa is the best place to live so i'm sure we'll be moving around as far as what we what we talk about and everything over the next bit here but david is for living in the usa as he actually does live in the usa and I am also for living in the USA, and I live in the USA. And Bryce is adamantly opposed to living in the USA and doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> and for for background, all of us are American citizens, <laughs> but all of us and have lived abroad. That's what I was going to say too. Is that the interesting part about this? I think hopefully is that we've all lived uh, at least a year. I, we can all talk a little bit individually about our experience, I guess, as we go, but we've all lived uh, for at least a year, a couple of years in, in multiple cases and so forth to have a little bit of experience living in, in different countries and so forth. And we can get into all that. So David, you want to kick us off with kind of your thoughts on it? Why is the U S the best place to live, David? <laughs> um, yeah, I just have um basically a list of facts. I, I do just want to kind of dip my toes here in uh, this like a little bit of boring stuff for just like one second. I just want to read just a little bit from <laughs> the First Amendment. <laughs> nice, nice. Like a true American. Yeah, yeah, no. Just like a 1% of it because I don't want to pretend that I know everything. I don't know anything about this. I'm, I'm just, I'm just arguing my point or discussing my point or my side. Um, Cause there are so many freedoms that we have in America that people don't even realize that uh, perhaps we never even need to exercise or I don't, I don't know. It's, 
honestly, it might be too much. That might be a point against us. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a little bit of the first amendment. Um, it protects, uh, we have like five freedoms within that. So uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, press, assembly, you know, the right to protest, um, and the right to petition the government. Just a little, little thing in there. So maybe some more fun ones. Um, and this is crazy. I didn't know that uh, we, and I don't know, maybe you can do this somewhere else in the world, but I know that at least in America, you can name your baby whatever you want. <laughs> so, you know, there are certain countries, you know, like Germany, Japan, Sweden, Norway, there's a list of other countries where you can't just like name your child Apple or whatever, you know, I know that's <laughs> might not be a good argument, but you can do that if you want. Um, I mean, think of uh, same-sex marriage. I, I don't know where else in the world, maybe there is, but, you know, I'm arguing the point of the U.S. You can can uh, marry somebody of of your own sex so while i'm not you know homosexual i'm just a a straight white male i think it's cool that you can uh you know very inclusive i should say um you can pretty much wear whatever you want i don't think uh there might be like weird states or weird like counties and states I'm sure you guys have seen where like, you know, you get a ticket if you like put a, if you like have an ice cream cone in your pocket or something, there's like really weird, like bizarre ones in like counties, but overall you can pretty much wear whatever you want. Um, I mean, under the, under the, you know, the government, obviously there's, you know, discrimination and prejudice here and there everywhere right but we are uh, all equal under the government so come one come all um we have the right to an education pretty much anybody over 18 can drive man woman you know um we can uh you can end a relationship or marriage here pretty easily there's no like you know, rules against you have to like talk to their parents or or just the man can decide that. Um, can pretty much wear your hair however you want if you have hair. That's a cool thing. Um, we have access to, well, every, you know, anybody can use a VPN, but like we have freedom of access of information, which means, you know, we're not bound by, uh, we're not bound to like a certain uh, sector of, of the internet. You can, you can pretty much go wherever you want, search whatever you want. Um, we have the freedom against an unlawful search. So if a police officer comes up, asks, you know, if they want to search your house and they don't have a, uh, 
what's that called a uh, warrant. A warrant yeah they can't just like bust into your home i'm sure that you can't do that ever anywhere else well there might be other places but you can't just do it everywhere else in the world for sure um yeah let me just stop there i have too many <laughs> but yeah that, i guess that's my uh opening statement just a bunch of facts so nice well yeah i can kind of jump in and and share some of the things that were on my mind i like how you just to kind of jump off what what you said a lot of what you were talking about was like freedom based i think Mm. in some in some way there's like this uh idealism that's that is cool in america and it's debatable whether or not you know it's it's still here in some sense or ever was here and and whatnot but um yeah it's, it's like there's this sort of pride in in freedom and then of course that takes a lot of different turns in sense of what we think freedom means and how that plays out and everything but um so i'll take i'll kind of take a little bit different direction on it um because you know what i thought of was why did I move back? Because I guess it was in the last time I lived abroad was in 2013. Although I guess I did some traveling shortly after that, but um, last time I lived abroad was in 2013 and I was actually living in Saudi Arabia at the time. And I moved back to the United States. And so I kind of thought back to that, like, why did I move back to the United States? And then specifically, I live in Kentucky and Louisville, Kentucky. Why did I move back to Louisville, Kentucky? And um, I think the actual driving force on that was community. Um, and I certainly had community in other in other countries. Um, and in some ways, it was uh, it was really cool. Like I was there were there were friendships and there were certain relationships and things that uh, built faster in some ways living abroad because there's everybody's sort of traveling or the people that I met were sort of in traveling situations or living abroad situations. So there was a sort of different connection. Um, but when I moved back to the U.S., what I wanted to do was build a foundation. And um, I always thought that I would eventually go back to, you know, traveling more and then potentially, you know, even living in other places for, you know, shorter periods of time and whatnot. But I wanted to build sort of a base in the U.S. Um, So that's really what it comes down to for me. And I can't say that this would be accurate for everybody in the world. So if you're um, if you're Mexican and you live in Mexico, your base might be Mexico. So it might make more sense for you to do that in Mexico. Um, If you live in any other country, that that would be the same thing, potentially. Um, But for me it was easier and made the most sense to build that base in the U S. Um, and so, you know, some examples of that was I moved back, I got married, I had kids, uh, we bought a house in a, in a way, my, my job is based here. Um, although that one would be the one that I would most like to be not based in a single location if I were to pick one, but, um, it was, so it really just came down to like an ease of being able to do that as an American. I guess I could have done that in other places, but um, in some sense, I already had a foundation in the U.S. And so 
you know, some of the friends there, there were some connections and especially like family that that's back here. So that was a big one, but it's not like there were friends that were back here that I came back to and sort of gelled back with friends that were here. It wasn't really like that. There's some people I <clears throat> sort of still keep in contact with, but in many ways, those friendships had already sort of grown apart. So they didn't really come back together. But um, anyway, that, that's what it came down to for me was that it was uh, the easiest place to build a home base with all of those things um, at that time in my life and also today, you know, so I, I, I think that I'll always have that and I always wanted to have that like I found that I there was a, a fun and adventure of for me at the time it was I was moving fairly frequently and traveling a lot but I I I missed sort of the foundation and having the um I don't know if it's stability but the like hmm I want to say like some enduring quality of having one place where I can sort of call home and then build out from there for different things. So anyway, I'll, I'll kind of stop with that. There's of course different things and we'll, we'll talk about different things, but just to kind of take a different angle on it from what you were talking about, David, because um, yeah, that's kind of what came to mind for me first. Okay, cool. Those are, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about this topic. Cause it's something we've, we've talked around, but I, I never really understood what you all, what, what drew you all to the U S and I guess I was just making assumptions in my head. So it's interesting to finally hear you guys talk about it. Um, I'm looking forward to, to this whole conversation a lot. Uh, so I want to start off by asking a question to you all and it's, would you rather be lower to middle class in the U.S. or upper, upper middle or even upper class somewhere else? Is that a rhetorical question or do you want to? No, no, I, I, I really Actually, want okay. I want to hear you all answer. I'll jump in and answer first then. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's um, I would rather be. Uh, what did you say? Lower to, to middle class in the U S. Okay. And yeah. How about just save your, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me, tell me why. Um, it really just comes back to what I just said about, um, I'm willing to trade off the sort of stability and ease of being here. And, and a lot of it comes down to just being a family for me personally. Um, but, but yeah, like there, there are certainly benefits to, and, and that's why like the, the travel side or even the living abroad for periods of time side, um, sounds enticing for sure. Um, but yeah, for me, it just comes down to, I think that like the community and so forth that I, that I want to sort of establish here is more important to me than sort of the, um, like quality of life type things of the other. So, so for instance, when I lived abroad, I loved the fact that places that I lived often had public transportation. That's really high on my list of things that are amazing about living abroad. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, I'm willing to sacrifice the public transportation side to be able to start a family in a stable place. 
So that's what the trade-off felt like in my mind. Now, could I take my family and go live in these places? At this point, I probably could, right? So it starts to change a little bit, but that's kind of what's in my mind as far as why that decision was made and why it like continues to be made now. That's interesting. I want to get more into that uh, later. How about you, David? Um, yeah, I would... <clears throat> excuse me. I would probably also say lower to middle. Um, and again, just, uh, you know, this is just for our like quote unquote debate. You know, I, I love traveling. I love going to other countries, you know, no shade. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, lower to middle class is, um, I mean, it's a, it's sustainable here. You know, I, I, I've been to a few countries where, you know, lower to middle class here is like, if, you know, if I take that over there, it's, it's middle to upper class, you know, but again, no shade. Um, I love traveling, but yeah, lower to middle class here is my, is my final answer. (laughs) Okay. So I, I want to clarify one thing when I'm, I'm talking about the lifestyle outside of the U.S. The lifestyle outside of the U.S. can be one of um, stability. It doesn't mean necessarily like jumping from place to place every month. Uh, this could be getting citizenship in another country, putting down roots in another country, and just living there full time. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we all have family members. I have an uncle who's lived in Germany all of his adult life, and that's where he calls home. So just just to throw that out there, um, everything I'm describing doesn't mean traveling. It just means living outside the U.S. So uh, a, a, a personal question, you can dodge it if you want, but do you all earn less than a hundred thousand dollars a year yes <laughs> yes for me do you feel like to me if you're in the u.s and you're earning less than a hundred thousand dollars a year you're definitely in a lower class and you're going to be living um you you can live two ways essentially in it in my opinion uh, assuming you live in like a mid-tier city, if you live in a big city like New York or a DC or a LA, a hundred thousand basically means you're in poverty. Um, in a mid-tier city, you both live in mid-tier cities. Anything less than a hundred thousand, you're going to be either financing a nice lifestyle with credit, usually, or paycheck to paycheck or you're going to be living a very frugal lifestyle where you can save money, but you're kind of living a very bare bones or basic lifestyle. Um, would you guys say that's fair? Mm. Hmm. That less than a hundred thousand is poverty. Uh, in the, in the more expensive cities, in the bigger cities, um, 
but even up to a hundred thousand, let's say you have a job and it pays you a hundred thousand after taxes, you're making about 70, 70,000 in a mid tier city like Columbus or Louisville as, as a single individual, such as you, David, I'd say that could afford you a decent lifestyle, but nothing, um, extravagant for for sure yeah and, not extravagant um, but and, not and not and not not extravagant but not even like go out and have a nice meal type money uh, like regularly uh, uh we we can get into the the stuff that that could afford you uh marshall in your case like with a family i feel like you definitely would have to be living a pretty frugal lifestyle or you would have to be um, financing a, a nicer lifestyle using credit of some sorts. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say to your other question too. I would the the easy way to think of it for for me or the way that I thought of it was nobody's looking at me and being like, "Wow, Marshall is really killing it." Or wow, Marshall's got a great. Wow, Marshall has a great lifestyle, in the mm-hmm. sense of like things that I, I I purchase or or, you know, like my house isn't like somebody comes over to my house typically, right? In my sort of, it, it's kind of it's the reason I hesitate to say this is because it, it's all friend group specific, right? So if I were to go to the average person in Louisville, maybe my house is nicer than most people's. Or maybe the fact that I own a house is a big deal for some people, right? So it's kind of hard to compare. But in general, for my friend group of people, nobody's coming over to my house and being like, oh, you've got an amazing house, Marshall. And it's not so much possessions because what I'm trying to, uh, the point I'm trying to make is there are people that earn less than 100000 but if you look at them, it looks like they're living a very nice lifestyle, but usually they're financing it by getting into debt. You know, that's a big thing in the U.S. is a lot of people outwardly, they look like they're ballers, but they're getting into a lot right. of debt and uh, living well above their means. Which skews it because everybody mm-hmm. looks and sees on Instagram, look at the new house or look at the whatever you spend money on my car or my trip or my whatever. And it looks like, oh, wow. When in reality, maybe they're doing about the same, you know, on a paycheck to paycheck or whatever scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's being financed so it sort of it sort of skews what and then the opposite of that is is kind of like you and david because i know you guys and you all are both financially responsible it's not like you're going out and you know taking out a lease on a a tesla or anything like that which leads me to believe that you're probably living paycheck to paycheck and maybe have some wiggle room to like save a little money. Mm-hmm. And David, I think in your case, you live very, very bare bones, which I, I'm not sure, which we can talk about more in detail. Um, because sometimes I feel like living frugally is something you think you'd like to do. And that's something that is a part of your identity and you embrace it. But in my experience, it's something that I embraced because I couldn't do the opposite. Does that make sense? 
Like I, I became a minimalist because I, that was a way to look cool, but I didn't have enough money to actually live the opposite way. And I couldn't actually afford any of the other stuff. So instead I took on the identity of being frugal. Um, I think there's a happy medium in, in there somewhere between being very frugal and doing things that you like that cost money. (laughs) Um, But my point that I'm trying to make is in the U S if you're earning less than six figures, you're either going to be kind of scraping by and living very frugally, or you're going to be getting into debt. Is that fair? I think it depends upon what your goals are, but what what situation would somebody who earns less than six figures be able to live a really high quality life in the U.S. Well, I think it just bakes in what you mean by high quality yeah. life. <laughs> okay, let me describe the things that I can do living abroad. And you can tell me if those are things that you could do or things that you'd be interested in doing. So we only spend about $2,500 a month. And where we are right now for uh, we're in a city called Merida in Mexico, Merida, (laughs) M-E-R-I-D-A. And we have to try hard. It's my wife and I, we have to try really hard to spend $2,500 a month. And $2,500 a month can afford us a really nice neighborhood maybe top neighborhood in the city. This is one of the safest cities in all of the Americas, North America, South America, and Central America. So it's not like we're living in a high crime, like slum or anything. That's a good point to point out. Cause yeah, um, I think people think it's like this is, random. Right. Yeah. Is 2,500 um, the rent or you mean just. No, general, total expenses, everything okay. a month, 2,500. Uh, Best neighborhoods, gym, restaurants all of the time. Anytime we want to eat out, go get coffee. We can travel. We can do like day trips to the beach. Um, Healthcare is not a concern. You can pay out of pocket for anything that comes up and it's not going to break you. It's a big deal. Um, Shopping, buy whatever we want. Shop at really fancy shopping malls if we want. We have a four bedroom, four bath house right now. Um, we have access to, to lots of uh, different people in the city that we're living in because um, it attracts an expat community. And of course, um, locals that you, you wouldn't meet otherwise. Uh, and they tend to be more successful types, which which I, I think is cool. Because again, if you are living that budget lifestyle in the US and you're kind of bare bonesing it, you're going to be living in a community where you know it might not attract the the the, the highest types of people. Um, we have a ton of breathing room. So my wife and I are fortunate where we make 
you know, it, we're making more than that six figure amount. And we are able to save like 80 to 90% of our income. But even if we weren't making a lot of money, or I'm not going to say we're making a lot of money, but even if we weren't making as much as we are, we would still be able to save quite a bit. Assuming you're just making that normal American salary, like you guys are what making like 60, 70, 80, somewhere around there, you would be able to save maybe 50 to 60% of your salary versus maybe nothing right now, or maybe 10% or a, a larger percentage. Um, and the breathing room is also due to the healthcare stuff that in the U S you feel like one, you're one, you always feel like you're one healthcare emergency from just devastation and financial ruin. That's completely gone away for me. I no longer feel any concern because I know the most, if I had to have heart surgery tomorrow, it would only cost like 10 K here. I could pay out of pocket for just about anything healthcare related, which is a big deal for me, even though I'm very healthy and fortunately don't have any problems healthcare wise. I know. So in the back of my mind, like if something happens along with my travel insurance, it's, it will, it won't be a big deal. And even stuff like dental, you know, it's um, in the U S you're going to drop pretty large amounts of money if you have to have anything dental related or, you know, any, anytime you go into the doctor in the U S it's going to be trouble. <laughs> and I'm so happy that I can live outside of that, that, that's that system. Um, because we can save more money, we can achieve our long-term goals easier and faster. One of my goals is to achieve financial independence. I'm going to achieve that so much faster than if I was living in the US. I can achieve that now in a reasonable amount of time, like five years instead of 20 years. And then once I achieve that, that gives me more options. Now I can, if I want to go back to the US, I'll be financially independent and I can do it on my own terms instead of needing to like work in the US or something like that. Um, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm ready to be a parent, which is something I never wanted to do in the U.S. for so many reasons. Um, it's too, ex I think it's super expensive to raise a kid in the U.S. You know, just having, Marshall, you can tell me how exactly how much this stuff costs, but, you know, just the cost of giving birth in the U.S. is, is pretty high assuming you don't have great insurance. When you live abroad in, in, in cheaper countries, lower cost countries, it's cheaper. Uh, a family in lower cost countries that I target, you can afford things like a housekeeper, a full-time housekeeper for maybe a couple hundred bucks a month, if that. This is somebody who comes regularly <laughs> cleaning your house. You can afford a nanny. <laughs> like one of the things my wife and I have been hesitant to have children for is that it would keep us from working. And we would be, because we work from home, so we would be distracted taking care of a, a kid. We can hire a full-time nanny for a very low cost. Private schools 
very cheap, very affordable. In the US, you have to be making serious bank to afford private school, or you need to have some type of like affirmative action type thing so you can qualify. Um, I mean, we can jump into education later, but I don't want my kids anywhere near a public school in the US. I barely want them anywhere near a private school in the US, but when you're living abroad, you have more options because you can, you can afford these cool international schools where otherwise like you wouldn't be able to afford this type of stuff in the U S if you're earning, if you're not a millionaire, essentially, um, crazy things like a personal chef. I can, if I want to, I can afford a personal chef here, come and cook all my meals. That's not something I would even think about in the U S um, a personal driver. My, I haven't hired one, but my friend has a personal driver. If he wants to go somewhere, he just calls up his driver. Uh, we, we take Uber everywhere and they show up in two to three minutes and we, we can just go anywhere. We don't, I don't drive anymore. <laughs> and in the U S if you want to take Uber, it's like $15 a ride just to go down the street here. You can get across town for like two or three bucks. And I don't need a car. It's the, the cities that I, I live in are walkable and it's just not needing to buy a car or rent a car or drive and be stuck in traffic. And like, you know, you know, the frustration of driving in traffic, it, it sucks. Um, we can eat out and we can go to the fanciest restaurants and not even like really, you know, when you're eating out in the U S and you always, this is me personally, but every time I ate out in the U S I would end up spending like $30 for some shit that I didn't even like. Now I can go to a cool restaurant and pay less than five bucks or 10 bucks and have a really nice meal. Like we don't, we cooked at home all of the time in the US, not because we wanted to. I mean, we, we, we wanted to try to eat at home because you can control the quality of your food better. I understand that part. But eating out is nice. We like it. And it's, it's enjoyable. And it's a whole lot more enjoyable when it's affordable. <laughs> and you don't feel like you're dropping $50 for some average food. Um, like, like stuff like, and I can call up a doctor and they'll come to my house. I got a COVID test for like 25 bucks and somebody came to my house and did the test for me and then emailed the results an hour later. It's like that type of stuff. I, I can't imagine doing that in the U S because it would be more expensive than I would want to pay. Um, where I am right now, I don't even really look at price tags anymore. I mean, I look at them just because it's more out of curiosity. Before in the US, when I lived in the US, it's like always worrying about how much this cost. I don't really think about that stuff anymore, which is super nice. Um, and again, this is all on $2,500 a month, which is bare bones in the US. So 
there's a lot of things I could argue for about why the U.S. sucks. You know, I don't really want to get into racism or violence or freedoms that you think you have and the culture, like those things aside, I think class is the biggest thing when it comes to where you're living. And we can jump into communities and freedoms and all that. Those things are not, to me, those aren't as important as your quality of life and the class because community you can find anywhere. You can create that anywhere. We can get into rebuttals. I'll, I'll give you guys time to talk in a second, but you, the things that you mentioned, like those can be found anywhere, but quality of life, that's, you're not going to find that in the U.S. unless you start making serious money. And that's why I'll, I'll close it by saying, I think the U.S. is a great place to live if you are in the 1%. If you're in the 1% of finance, financial status or talent or appearance, looks, these types of things, like if I'm a Hollywood, if I'm an actor, then I want to go to Broadway. Like that's the place to be. And if I want to be a supermodel, go to LA or a Hollywood star, go to LA. If I want to be an NBA player, then of course I go to the US. That's where the best of the best are. Um, I'm not anything like that. I am self-aware enough to know that I'm not the 1%. I'm never going to be 1% in, as far as money goes. And I, I mean, maybe one day if, if all goes right. But right now, I'm definitely not. And I'm definitely not 1% in talents or looks or anything like that. Um, which leads me to believe I should arbitrage my life by living somewhere where I can have a much, I can be like the one, I can live like the 1% in other countries <laughs> with my current like average, very average talents and um, financial situation, which I think is, is amazing. So I'll let you guys jump in. Am I jumping in, I guess? <laughs> Um, I mean, you said so much. I, I can't remember it all. I didn't write it down. Um, I don't really have like a word, like one word to <laughs> rebut everything, <laughs> nor do I want to. Um, I mean, if you're making over 100K, that's it's nowhere near poverty. Um, I, I don't think anywhere in America. I mean, we can, let's see what the poverty I'm saying below 100K. Right, but I'm talking about for you, like you're not, you're not below poverty or near poverty. So okay, like so my, my, my point that I'm trying to make <laughs> is unless I'm a millionaire, unless if I had a million in the bank right now, just in cash, I would still feel poor in the U.S., and you're in, uh, are you in Mexico right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think <clears throat> just to kind of step back and, and summarize a little bit, at least in my mind, because I think it's helpful yeah. for, for me for personally <laughs> to sort of understand where everybody's coming from. So <clears throat> David 
and I kind of said this already, but David, it seemed like at least in what we talked about here, the things that are meaningful for him, for the United States are like freedom, right? And his sense of, okay, can I, I stop, say, can I stop you and just say, can we all agree? Like you guys have been abroad. I, I just moved to Mexico. I not, not for one second has my freedom, freedom in air quotes changed. Like there's nothing that I could do in the U S that I can't do here. And every country I've lived in China included, which has the reputation for being the most oppressive and totalitarian country. There was nothing I couldn't do in China. Maybe like if I wanted to talk about Hong Kong or something, which is what, like once in every five years, I have the desire to express an opinion about Hong Kong. Come on for the average person. If you're not like some political um, influencer, what freedom are you missing that you get in the U S that you don't get in almost every other, we're not talking about moving to North Korea here. Like what freedoms are the freedom to wear the clothes that you like what, what, what world do you think we're living in? You can wear the clothes, any clothes that you want, unless you're in Saudi Arabia and you're a woman or something like that. Like if you're a, a white male, like both of you are, you can go to literally any country right now and wear whatever you want and talk about whatever you want outside of a handful of countries. So the freedom stuff is just, it's a bizarre argument to me because what, tell me freedoms that I'm missing here. I mean, all of, okay. So all of your arguments <laughs> were just explaining how much poverty Mexico's in. <laughs> no, right? no. The if you come here, you will experience you like, like if, how cheap everything is. <laughs> right. It's cheap when you bring in your US income. But as a as a local, you can live a middle class lifestyle for a much lower, like their middle class income is a lot lower than a middle class income in the US. So here they're living a high quality of life, a good lifestyle, the same, probably a better lifestyle than you're living, honestly, for a much lower price. So no, it's not like everybody here is living in poverty. And then I come here and just like ball out. It's like most people here are living nice middle-class lifestyles. And then if you come here with an American income, you can live a very nice lifestyle. So, yeah, like it, to, to clarify that a little bit on my side, at least the, the, the easy like example, it's like a cup of coffee, right? If you go to somewhere in my city and buy a cup of coffee, okay, you could get the cheap version or whatever. It's like two ninety nine or whatever. I'm assuming, um, I actually haven't been to Mexico since I was like a baby, but I'm assuming for in Mexico, you could basically get a cup of coffee for, I don't know, a dollar 50 cents. I don't know what the, but it's, it's less. So you get the same stuff for less money is what you're saying. Right. Right. So like, it's not, it's not that everybody's just living on less quality. You're saying we get the same quality, uh, and it may be, maybe in some cases better quality, but let's just say you can get the same quality for less money. And as a result, 
if you have an income that's normal in the U.S., then it buys you more in other countries, Mexico or, or you know, plenty of examples, right? Yeah, that's perfectly said. Yeah, I mean, I think like, again, just to kind of summarize it, so it, it, it sounded like uh, David's things, at least the what you talked about, were the um, sort of the freedoms. And I, I almost I don't want to say this because you didn't say it, David, but to me, it almost reminds me of sort of like a ownership in the United States or like a pride in the United States, if that makes sense, um, more than maybe the typical like like what Bryce was saying about the actual typical things of like. Okay, yeah, you can still walk down the street in a different country. You can still walk down the street in the U.S., but there's sort of like this idealism about the U.S. where <clears throat> um, we believe in sort of a, like democracy and and voting and and so forth. Um, and then where I was coming from was like basically I wanted to start a family. Basically, I wanted to. Um, have stability and uh, want to buy a house and things like that. And Bryce, it sounded like what you were saying really was the example that I just said, that for the same $1, you are going to get way more in, in traveling in, or not just traveling, I should say, in living in, let's say, Mexico or in any number of other countries. So the reason I mention all that is because it sounds like we're all coming from like completely different um, like value systems of what we value and then just trying to understand each other like, okay, so the most important thing for like understanding why you prioritize, uh, you know, high quality of life. And when you talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, hmm, maybe I don't, do I not prioritize uh, like high quality of life? Do I not realize that it, I I could get, you know, the dollar coffee instead of the $2 coffee here in the U S or, you know, um, so anyway, I, for me, it's helpful to kind of understand the summary. So I just wanted to say it because it's helpful for me to talk it out like that. Yeah, I think it's a, that's a excellent, excellent summary. And yeah, I, I'm interested, David, in why, the, the stuff that you're talking about is just, it, it come it, it seems so random. Like it doesn't seem like a reflect reflection of your actual life. You know, we've done 50 episodes on this podcast and not once have you talked about an interest in freedom or um, like uh, the things that come along with that. You know, what, what are we talking about here? Freedom of um, protest like, did, did you go to any protest in the last 10 years? So you're, you're choosing okay. to live in a country because it gives you the possibility of protesting one day. That seems uh, weird. Yeah. I mean, this is a debate, right? <laughs> so. Right. But like for, <laughs> so for you personally, are those really the reasons you live in the U S because it allows you no, the, the, live, the possibility to protest. I live here because I choose to. And but yeah, why? Like, is are the, the reasons that you stated, like wearing the clothes that you want, and um, the 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 First Amendment? Are those really well, the reasons you live in the U.S.? For the reasons that you explained about Mexico, let's say, 
I mean, that it just doesn't appeal to me. Saving money doesn't appeal to you? No, saving money does appeal to me, but I don't, you know, I'm not the person who's like, oh, I want to go to this fancy restaurant. Okay, and, but if you could save... And I don't save, think I'm living frugally. If you could save 50% more money than you're saving now, would that appeal to you? Yeah, yeah, sure. If you could save 80% more money than you're saving now and just live the same lifestyle that you're living now, would that appeal to you? Yes, sure. That's what I'm describing. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. That's what I'm describing. I'm not describing a luxurious lifestyle. I'm saying that's an option if you want it. But what I'm describing is you have the option of living the same. If you want to live the same bare bones lifestyle, you can. You, You could do it even more bare bones. But... Also I mean, save call it bare bones. You could also save 70% of your paycheck <laughs> instead of 10%. Right. How much of your paycheck do you save per month right now? Mm, maybe 50%. Uh maybe a little more. 50, let's let's say 50%. I mean, that's that's pretty damn good. So you're saving 50% yeah, of your I, paycheck. I, I'm, I'm not going out. I'm not, you know, going here, there. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I never pay for Uber. I have a, I have a car and I, you know, I pay insurance on it, but yeah, I, I have the benefit of, I guess, working from home here. So I can. Okay. So you know, you're, you're a single guy. Money. You're a single guy right now. Right. And yep. don't have any kids living no in an kids. apartment. Mm-hmm. Are you imagining upgrading your lifestyle in the future or any time in the future? Um, I mean, maybe I, I, I feel like I could upgrade it right now, but I'd rather save that money. So, Do you think you, know. you could afford a family right now or um, even mm-hmm. a girlfriend or wife? If your wife wanted to stay at home, like Marshall's wife, mm-hmm. would your salary work yeah yeah would, would you be stretched I would, pretty tight I, I mean i wouldn't be like stretched crazily but i would want to i would want to make more yeah <laughs> if i had like a wife and a couple kids sure I, i'd want to be making more or if my you know wife had a job then that would probably supplement that but yeah if everybody's staying at home yeah i'd, I'd want to make more money sure Hundred percent. Let me go back it's to good the... for a single guy. <laughs> go ahead, Marshall. No, well, are, were you guys? Did you finish that thought? I should say. Did Did you have another question? I guess Bryce. On that. No, I'm just wondering. Like right now, you're living a very simple life, and the salary that you have right now can afford that lifestyle. But if we take, um, like David, you sent that article about changing your job every two years and, and whatnot. And what, what, what did that article say? The average raises like 2.5% or something each year. Yeah. It was like two to 4% or something like that. So 4% per year. 
the 10% to 20% job change made more sense every two years, something, something like that. Right. Maybe so that, yeah. if we just assume that you're going to stay in the same career path and you're not going to leverage this job into uh, uh, like $300,000 a year salary anytime soon. If we stay on the same income, do you feel like that limits you to, um, I'm wondering, because I'm wondering if the same, if you guys experience the same thing, like I did when I experienced the thought that, oh, I'm, I'm ready to have a kid now. Hmm. Like that was a, that was a big deal for me. Like, you know, if I was still living in the U S that thought would have never happened, but now it's like, oh, wow, I have plenty of money. I can afford to have a kid. And mm-hmm. it might, it might be fun now because I can hire a nanny and they could just take care of the kid and I could have the fun parts of it. And any, like I can imagine a scenario where that's fun to have a kid. I'm wondering, David, if you and Marshall, you too, like, do you feel constrained with, uh, like David, could you, um, I'm wondering, like, are you not dating more? Because maybe subconsciously you're afraid that you can't afford a, a partner or you can't afford to get married. That's why I'm not dating more. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I didn't know my dating life was going to be <laughs> involved in. Okay. Me. Outside of that, are you, do you feel constrained or limited in any way? Mm-mm. No, I mean, of course, I I want to make more money. I mean, I'm I'm working to do that, but uh, no, by 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 the things that I want to do right now and enjoy doing, I'm not. I don't feel constrained. Maybe later that will change. Maybe later I'll want to, you know, pick up a expensive hobby or I don't know, you know. But at this point, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty satisfied. And that pitch where you could save even more money, that's just, it's, it's not like the freedom is more important than that opportunity to, to save more. Yeah. Right now. Um, I mean, all that, that freedom stuff, that's just extra for me. I just want to live in the U S you know? Okay. So what, what are the additional reasons? You know, where, you know, <laughs> the additional reasons, what, why like, I want like to Marshall said community, the things that got him to go back to the U S and stay in the U S. Yeah. I mean, all of that can friend. apply to me. Yeah. All of that can apply to me. I don't my get families, it. My family's near me. Uh, my friends are near me. You know, this is, I'm not more than an hour away from where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, I don't really want to go, you know, overseas. So it's not that I'll never want to, but right now I'm, I'm satisfied with where I am and, uh, just gonna keep working, you know? Okay. So that's, I mean, that's fair. 
Outside of your personal situation, though, could we agree that if somebody did want to upgrade their lifestyle and not even change how much money they make, then they could easily just go across the border, go, go, go anywhere. And they would have a significantly higher quality of life. Could we all, could we, could the three Mm. of us agree on that? Yeah. So here's, here's what I can agree on. Right. So probably because they're, if they're American. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, right. So any, any American could, who's making, let's say 60 K a year could significantly upgrade their life by going to another country. Right. But anybody in Mexico can't do that here in America. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And like what I, what I often, I guess I don't tell people this as much now, but back when I was teaching abroad, I I would often recommend like, and that's why I like to separate out like what we're prioritizing or at least what we're saying we're prioritizing in, in the decision. Right. So when I was, 25 and had you know people had asked about okay yeah you lived abroad wow that's cool what you know tell me about that uh my cousin wants to do that or you know whatever and you start getting into these conversations um i would i would often recommend like exactly what you're saying bryce so if you're um especially for and um especially for you don't necessarily have prospects for something so people who are you know maybe they just finished college or Maybe they have a job, but it's not really going where they thought they wanted to go. Or maybe they have a job in the field that they wanted and they're like a, you know, I'm not going to say a doctor, but let's say they went to school for whatever it was and they thought they wanted to do this and they get into it and they're like, this is not what I wanted. I feel like my life is meaningless. I don't know what to do. Um, What am I? Yeah, I, I would. I was always recommending like, hey, go live abroad. Like you can as a teacher, right? In let's say Korea, I think. I don't know if this is still the case, but at least at the time, Korea was like the easiest place to go as a teacher. They put you up in housing. They schedule stuff for you. It's really easy to go there. Like literally. That's awesome. Anybody with a, uh, I think you have to have a college education and maybe that's moved up a little bit to having something in English now. Um, But let's say you're a college educated person who's gotten out and and you're in that boat. A hundred percent. I'm like, yeah, have you thought about doing that? Because if you can get over the fear because a lot of people just have this fear of like moving abroad, right? So that's for, I would say for a lot of Americans who haven't been somewhere, that's the biggest hurdle more than anything else, right? They just like are scared of, like you said, like crime and stuff like that. We're not even talking about that because I think we kind of know that that's not true. Like I feel way more scared being in the US than I did anywhere else in the United States, including Saudi Arabia in some cases. So, um, but if your goal is to save some money, and to upgrade your quality of life in the sense that you're talking about where, yeah, you can afford a gym and a driver and whatever. Like you can do that on a teacher's salary living in Korea, which isn't Mexico. Like Korea is actually an expensive place in a lot of cases, but you're still in a lot of cases will spend less money per um, or, or, or your, your income. I won't say dollar for dollar necessarily, but your income that you make will get you more I'm going to say stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean stuff like, you know, cars and stuff like that, but just things that you're able to do experiences, like you said, quality of life, nannies, what have you, um, certainly seems like it goes up. Um, and that's a very eye-opening experience. Like in some cases I'm like, yeah, everybody should do that at least once, like see what that's like, and then decide to move back. Right. 
Because if you don't know that exists, if you don't know that you can live like the 1% in another country and you just, you know, um, for me personally, though, at some point it comes down to what do you prioritize, right? So if, and for me, that, that, that question is kind of the difference between like prioritizing being able to afford lots of things and being able to have that sort of convenience and I guess luxury is you could call it luxury um, versus sort of at the time for me, it was like the United States was the place to be for being near my family to start a family, that sort of thing. Um, so I guess I'm saying all that because I would certainly concede or concede is a fancy word, but I would certainly agree with you, Bryce on the side of, yeah, if you're, if you, go to a different country, your dollar or your, I don't want to even say dollar, just your income will in a lot of cases, especially as an American living in and potentially working or whatever in these other countries will go further. It just comes down to, is that what you want? Right? Like, is that the most important thing for you? Um, and in some cases that is right. Okay. For me, it wasn't for me. Let's talk about the things that you guys prioritize. Marshall, you're telling me that you prioritize community and family, a foundation, and a place to call home. Mm-hmm. Being near people, yeah. I think there's been at least four episodes where you've talked about a lack of friends. So let me ask you, did you have more friends when you were living abroad or more friends locally in Louisville? No, that's a good question. The, um, you know, part of the reason that I moved back was because, and, you know, maybe this isn't, this doesn't have to be true. Actually, I would, I don't think it does have to be true, but at the time, the life that I was living abroad, the friends that I was making were transient or they were, they were temporary. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep doing that. Like I enjoy those friendships. Um, but I wanted to build friendships that would last longer and be like deeper in some way. They, like they, they, there were friendships that I had that were very close, but anyway, it was just a different, it was a different thing. So for me, I could have done that in a different country. The, the type of work that I was doing, of course, traveling around and stuff, I, it lent itself to making friends that were only going to be around for a year or three months or whatever, sort of that expat community, that doesn't have to be the case, right? Like you can move to a country like Mexico and say that you're going to live there for the next 20 years and make friends that are going to also live there for the next 20 years, right? So that's, I didn't have to have that, but for me, it was easier to come back to the United States and do that in the United States in a culture that I know and and I'm close to already. So since 2013, when you moved back, how many friends have you made that you would slot into that category of being serious, like um, forever long-term friends. My family is the biggest one. Um, I don't know. There's probably two people I can think of. And then there's, you know, maybe a dozen or so that are, close but i wouldn't necessarily say like 
forever or you know you know what i mean like they're not you know like they're it's a it's a sort of different level of friendship i guess so two in eight years yeah so it's it's not not, like it's not bad but if you're talking about right it's life lifelong friends that's i mean i think most people are lucky to have a lifelong friend one lifelong friend so right if you've made two lifelong friends in eight years i'd say that's that's pretty solid yeah like and it's one of those things where i yeah i mean it goes down a whole other conversation of of friendship and so forth but uh but yeah it feels uh successful and it feels like yeah that's great um i want more still and i think that's where you hear me talking about this thing of because I think what the problem is for me on the friendship side, and then I can stop talking about friends, but is uh, is the like the depth, right? So I know a lot of people, and then I have what you know between people. We're like, yeah, we're friends, but there's not that like real deepness to it, and so that's what I'm trying to get closer to. Um, so yeah, maybe it's like a misguided thing. Like maybe it's like I came back to the U.S. to kind of do this. And to have those sort of relationships and friendships and maybe it hasn't actually worked out. So maybe it, you know, um, Would certainly you... my, my family is, is the big one that has worked out the way that I thought it would or wanted it to type thing. Okay. So family, um, two things is the frequency that you talk to your family greater when you're living close to them than it was when you lived abroad. And then are in-person interactions with your family members significantly better than say a Skype call? Yeah. Uh, Yes to both. Um, I interact with them more and in-person is certainly better, yeah. Hmm. Talk more about the in-person because I find that my in-person is worse than my, it's kind of like, it's kind of like David, you know, when he's talking about going to dinner and it just talks, devolves, devolves into politics. Like that, that's my general interaction is just sitting at the dinner table and listening to uh, the latest CNN and Fox news headlines. Yeah. Um, What I've found on that, because I would agree that, yeah, the, um, and maybe it's a personality thing as well, but um, to me, it comes down to uh, the type, um, how many people are in the interaction. Hmm. So Skype tends to be one or two. Like I remember, you know, when I first moved to Korea, I was so happy that Skype existed and I would get on there and it was like my mom and dad. And I was like, wow, I don't remember having uh, so many, like, I guess it was one on two conversations, you know, conversations just like face to face, because usually it was let's get together and have a meal and there were other people or it was we're doing something else. So it's kind of like these conversations, too, where we're talking and. I feel like we get pretty far with these conversations, like it's pretty cool, like we're, you know, I mean, it's pretty, pretty good conversations, get into some, some cool stuff. But I think that the the factor that is affecting that is the that it's one-on-one or one-on-two type things as opposed to the, the group family gatherings just don't, I mean, I like them. I, w- I don't want them to go away, 
but that's not what I want. Like, that's not the type of interaction that like is where I look back at the end of the life. And I'm like, I mean, sometimes it is, it's like, Oh, that was cool to have all 30 of us together for Thanksgiving. But the cool, like in the moment things are the one-on-one conversations or, you know, going out to eat with my dad, getting together with my brother last weekend, that kind of stuff. Oh, so like meeting one-on-one with a family member. Yeah. For coffee or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Doing something one-on-one. Hey, let's go hiking with my brother. Go over to my, you know, I mean, just to put some more like story on the, on the, you know, thing like my, uh, my other, I have how many brothers do I have? Three brothers and a sister. (laughs) I always think of that. There's five of us. And I'm like, that I have to parse out like, okay, there's four, but then I actually only have three. So it's not that I have four brothers because there's, there are four brothers anyway. Um, you know, so I, I sort of started a family, got married, have uh, three kids. Um, my other brother has a wife and three kids. So just going over and hanging out at their house on a weekend where it's like randomly being like, hey, what are you up to? You want me to bring over some beer and grill out or whatever? Like that's super cool. Like that's what in a lot of ways, like I would say I live for. And that that's what in my mind, I don't think of it as much like this, but that's what I'm trading being able to live the 1% lifestyle for, um, I, I don't think of it as a trade. And when you talk about it, I get excited and I'm like, geez, why don't I live abroad? Like I'm, I'm with you on that. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, totally. And like, in some cases I'm like, you know, maybe that's what I, in long-term, I think maybe that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to have like three different homes and live in different areas in, in, in life. But at least for right now, that's what it's those get togethers where it's maybe a little smaller maybe it's not 30 40 people it's one or two and we go hiking together or we hang out and get coffee and talk for three hours like that that's what it is for me yeah i'm glad you you mentioned that but because that is i think that is the one of the biggest things that i'm missing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like giving my my nephew a piggyback ride like right right those are those are the types of things that you you miss and you can't do so right and it's a tough it it does seem like a it is something that you would trade for the better lifestyle is those times with your family and your loved ones so yeah that that makes a lot of sense and it's so easy for it to go by like even living here it's so easy for it to go a month and not see people and be like or you know last year multiple months or you know like or years you know like my grandparents are my my one grandparents like not doing well and i hadn't seen them in like a year or something you know like kind of comes back to just it's so easy to take stuff for granted like on on all of these sides like everything that we're talking about it's so easy when you're you know when i lived in we were just talking about peru before we started recording when i lived in peru it was so easy to take a walk go grab a coffee and like walk on the beach and then you just get used to that. And that's just your lifestyle. Right. And now I can't go walking on a beach. And I'm like, that was awesome. Why did I think that that was, I mean, it's not that I didn't <laughs> think it was awesome, but it was just a part of life. You know, you just get used to it. It's like, whoa. And mm-hmm. so you can get used to those conversations with friends or family. You can get used to um, even like, I can go back to talking about like the freedoms, David. Like, I think there's things that I don't exercise, but there is a part of me that I think like nationalism in general is kind of going away and people don't want, but there's a part of me that like thinks that I want to be part of a country because of what I think that we believe. 
whether it plays out in practice, whether I go exercise those things. Um, and that's a whole other thing we could talk about or whatever, but I get where you're coming from in some sense, because there's a part We're of me that talk about, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no there's, know, the, there's a part saying. of me that sort of, um, <laughs> even though I didn't go join the black lives matter protests downtown, there's a part of me that was like, yeah, like, I'm glad that we, that we can do this in some sense. And I'm glad that people are doing this. And then there, there's like this stuff that happens that like, there's these questions and people are like trying to stomp stuff out. And I'm like, you know, there's a part of me that loves this. And then there's a part of me that's like, yeah, but it's all falling apart and isn't real. And then I get sad and, you know, like maybe this is just a mirage, <laughs> but anyway. No, but that's good. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> um, I want to ask a, some, some type of question about, you said you moved back to get married or to start a family. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm not sure what question I have about that, but it's a uh, maybe like David. Do do you have that same inkling? Because I I felt what I felt what you felt, Marshall. I felt that about before. The, like yeah, yeah. when I decided to move back to the U.S. from China, I had that same pull. Like I should yeah. go get established. I should. Um, I should settle down now. I'm almost, I'm 30 now. It's time to settle down and get established. Um, yes. What exactly does that, that mean? And do you think that's a, Marshall, you're saying that's a temporary thing. That's what I hear you saying, that it's something that you did and there's a, you know, there's an end point and then you become unestablished. Mm-hmm. So you did the establishing part and then you find your freedom later on where you can live in three different places a year. Um, is, is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's a, I, I think saying unestablished might not be uh, exactly what like I want to Like a home, yeah, home, you have a home, have a home base, base exactly. in the US and exactly. then you have homes in different countries and you can vacation there and, and right. stuff like that. And the plan hasn't gone exactly as planned. Like when I moved back to the U.S., um, the getting married. So I'll mention something else on that. So when I moved abroad, I don't know that I had a, in my mind, like I'm going to go marry someone in Korea. But there was this thought in the back of my mind that I could meet somebody in somewhere where I was living and marry somebody there. And there were people that at the time I thought maybe they would be people that I would marry. And then it didn't work out and, you know, whatever. When I came back to the U.S., though, it wasn't like I was coming back to the U.S. Like, okay, it didn't work out over here. Let me go find some American girl and marry her. I already knew my wife. Like, we already knew each other. And I was basically like, okay, let me go back and be with her. And we like, it wasn't like I knew that I was going to get married at that point. But it was very much like on my mind. Like, okay, um, I'm moving back. Wait, sorry. I don't know the story. What? So you you met her before you moved abroad or you met her while you were living abroad? When I moved, uh, we didn't actually meet before I moved abroad, but we started uh, talking online and then we kept up talking um, when I was in Saudi Arabia. So I basically started talking to her. Yeah, right. Right. 
as I was moving to Saudi Arabia. So at the end of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia was interesting and cool and I had some great experiences, but that probably, like I knew that that wasn't going to be a long-term, I wasn't going to move and be in Saudi Arabia forever, right? So I already knew that that was temporary. I didn't know what the next thing was going to be, but partway through that, I was like, okay, I'm going back to the United States for a bit at least. Um, okay, but so I mean, definitely one of the reasons was was your wife or your... Right, right. That's So that's what I mean. Is It, it was like, it wasn't like this decision... I guess I just wanted to clarify for you because I don't know if you guys knew the story and just anybody who's listening, but it wasn't like, okay, let me go settle down. It was like, I already knew somebody. Let mm. me go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was a little bit more intentional than just, but, but, but like you said, she was, was, she was a big part of the decision. Yeah. And there was this pull already beyond mm. her already. Like you were saying, I was, I was feeling that sort of um, for good or bad. I was feeling that sort of, I don't want to be an English teacher forever. I don't want to be living in different countries forever. I don't want to be traveling and moving to different countries each year forever. I want to find somewhere where I can settle down. And so at the time looking, you know, it was like, okay, well, that's going to be the United States. So move back to the United States. Um, and then there, the part of the plan that didn't work out is I thought I was going to move back to the United States. I'd saved up uh, some money because Saudi Arabia pays a lot of money to English teachers. And so I'd saved up some money. I thought I was going to buy like four houses and be a rental landlord and then do something else. And then we never got any properties. The process is super slow. We started having children. And then, you know, then you're like, okay, priorities start to change. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know why I went off on that whole tangent. I think I was just trying to explain no, it's, the, it's interesting. The, the coming back to the United States story a little bit further. What is what is uh, getting established mean to you, David? That's what the question was. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good question. Um, and I think we all felt that while overseas, like teaching English as a second language, you, I mean, yeah, you can go to New York or somewhere and like also do that. But I mean, we had people that were, you know, 60 people that were our age and everything in between that taught English. I don't think that many people are still there even, or like that stayed for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I, when I moved back, I pretty much wanted to get back into things. Um, <laughs> and it's crazy how, like when we were overseas, the connections for me, at least the connections that I had in uh, the U.S. was like started to dwindle or, or whatever. Like it, you can't keep those like connections super strong. So I felt like uh, pretty much like I had just graduated college again when I moved back. And I was like, well, shoot, like, I'm just starting over again. And uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't regret at all coming back and at least starting out again and kind of making a base and just reestablishing myself with, uh, with, with the U.S. and connecting with people and trying to do something other than 
uh, teach English. So, yeah. Yeah, and that might be something that's different for, well, certainly different for people who are already in the U.S. or have never moved abroad or just didn't have the same experience of teaching abroad. But yeah, there's a certain sense of, I have no marketable skill in the U.S. What am I going to do? Um, but do I need to start, you know, some sort of career or, or thing like that? And, you know, um, some kind of like fear of, I don't know, fear of missing out is the right word for it, but fear of, yeah, not having normalcy or something like that. I don't know that that's a good thing, like to, to move or do make decisions based upon that, but I guess I'm just expressing it because I think we all went through that uh, at various points, maybe multiple times, but uh, mm -hmm. at various points with at least being ESL teachers and then making the decision, what do you do after ESL if you want to do something after ESL? Have you yeah. all have you all achieved the level of stability or establishment that you want? Not on my side. There, there's certainly been some wins, and there's been some smells. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to call them L's, but learning wins. experiences, <laughs> blessings and lessons. That's what that's what L means now. Learning experience, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, so, it, and that would have been probably regardless of what choices I had made, right? But, um, but yeah, there's this certain, like, even as an English teacher, well, this goes back to what you were saying, Bryce, about, you know, being able to save a lot of money and the percentage is insane, right? Especially as an English teacher um, is like the easy, like, bang for your buck, ease of being able to pull this off to, like, percentage of income like you don't have to try <laughs> you can yeah. just immediately save 10 grand a year like and you know and like for people in the u.s like that can be a big deal like it depends upon where you're at yeah. and what you're what you're yeah. doing but like being able to save being able to save anything in the u.s is a big deal like for the average american regardless of social status unless you're like that top 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 you know one one thousandth and higher percent most people, even people who are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year are still like sort of in this, uh, <laughs> this, I won't call it paycheck to paycheck, but like the percentage of saving isn't 90% or 80%. Like because when people make money, they end up <laughs> right. spending more your, money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Their so, lifestyle. But you guys got free rent in Korea, right? South Korea. I did. Yeah, I, mean, I, I worked for it, but That's such a, <laughs> it was part of the did? bundle. Yeah, oh yeah, it was part of the bundle for me. <laughs> I worked hard for that rent. <laughs> no, there's definitely a bonus for that. <laughs> and, and David, would you say you've established the um, yourself in the U.S.? Mm, yeah, I mean, to a certain degree. Um, if if established, I guess you mean like. Do I not want to make more money in the U.S.? No, no but like I'm your like, goals what, that yeah, when you what? move back, are you oh, getting yeah, what you move yeah. back for? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Would be my question anyway. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't, you know, stay hungry, right? You want to make more money? You want to level up? Of course. Hmm. I can't deny that. <laughs> hmm. 
yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the boat of, I, of course, like I'm always sort of the dreamer that doesn't have a great plan for accomplishing the dreams or doesn't, my plans are not as good as my dreams, let's say. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I have gotten enough success at what I wanted when I came back to where I don't regret it in any way. And I, I um, am glad I did what I did. And I'm glad I sort of am doing what I am doing. But I'm also at this point where I'm ready for, like, I, I don't know that I'm, like, at the point where I'm, like, ready to move abroad again. But um, I'm, I'm, like, getting antsy again. That's the word, like, I, I think of with it. It's like, I'm, okay, what's the next so so here's what it really is right for me it's like and and maybe this is a bad way to think of it because if i were to tell somebody this like as as advice i wouldn't give this advice like don't live your life based upon checking off boxes right but in my mind like i sort of so i got married i had kids those were important to me right um we own a house sort of the bank does and we pay the bank until you know and then even then do you really own it but whatever um so there's these things that I wanted to do that were sort of like baseline goals. Like they were like the first things, like for me, they were important and they were things that I wanted to, um, I'm going to say experience. It wasn't like accomplish, but yeah, just to have in my life. Right. Um, so then the next thing is like, okay, well, what is the next thing? Um, is it, something related to work because in the beginning it was just get a job survive right like that was literally of course I had ambitions of different things but like base level one is like be able to survive you know <laughs> okay great um so I, I definitely achieved that like if that was a goal a hundred percent I achieved that be get to a point where I'm comfortable with my income and, and yeah I, I definitely got to that so now it's like okay so what does leveling up look like right and that's where I get antsy of like okay what does that mean right now it means working on a book, you know, um, we'll see. Yeah. Level, level up is an interesting way to put it because yeah, to me, leveling up, there's so much associated with class mm -hmm. and that's why I brought up class mm -hmm. as my main argument for why the yeah. U S is not the best place to live is because most of us fall into this lower to middle income class and it's like the always I feel like, driving class right you know what i mean right like exactly trying just to it feels like you're always trying like the hamster wheel right mm -hmm. like everybody talks about this whether why there's a million business books about the rat race right it's that mm -hmm. it's trying to get out of that mm -hmm. and that could be minimum wage it could be 100k a year it could be a million dollar business that you own and you don't even work at, but you still feel like you're in some sort of rat race because you have to succeed the next thing. And moving to a different country can wipe all that away because you realize, wow, I'm walking on the beach and fishing every day like I wanted to, or whatever your dream, you know, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Well, I'd do this. Well, you can do that, you know? Um, I was going to say, I agree a hundred percent until the very end, because at the end you make it sound like I'm over here, just like swinging in a hammock on a beach. Oh, well, but, you can like, if, right. you, if you also want to continue pursuing things mm -hmm. or whatever you can. Right. But if your goal is to 
like a lot of people, I think, think that there's this end, like in the US anyway, we have this like retirement mentality of like, when mm-hmm. you're 65, you're just going to go relax and go to, you know, Cancun. And I'm like, you actually can just go to Cancun. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's what yeah. people, that's what Bryce is saying is you can just go live in Cancun for probably cheaper than you're living wherever you're living. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you need to you, like make money online and stuff first, right? So you can take that. Yeah, yeah, some, you know, <laughs> but that's that's not. True. I mean, that's not true. So many people work remotely now. Like COVID, right. the that's greatest online. the greatest blessing of COVID right. is yeah. that so yeah. many people realize they can work from home now. You can take this job and do it anywhere now. Like, why? Why pay more? <laughs> When you feel like partly that's why you're so adamant about it, Bryce, because for David, you're like, David, you don't, you know, you're single. David aside, David aside. (laughs) But I feel like you do pick on David a lot because of that. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I've I've given up at this point, but he's, it's a, it's a perfect, perfect example. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. Um, Right. Because the possibility is there, right? Like with a laptop and some decent internet speeds and an Airbnb, you know, you could test it out for three months or a month or whatever, you know, if you're not paraplegic. Yeah. I've met one of my best friends in China was paraplegic. (laughs) Um, uh, What was I going to say? Yeah. The, the, the leveling up, the leveling up is is interesting. Okay, the the rat race, like you're you're talking about, Marshall. There is no end to that in the U.S. That's that's one of the things that hmm. I hate about the U.S. is that uh, it's a s- s- you get stuck in a consumerism cycle, like you were saying, David. More money you make you upgrade your lifestyle accordingly, and then you just have to keep upgrading and upgrading. And some people can opt out of that and live an alternative lifestyle like David's living, where you live pretty simply and you can save most of your paycheck. (laughs) I feel like my my lifestyle is an alternative lifestyle to some people too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why I said the both of you live pretty frugally and that's why yeah yeah. compared to other people like i'm yeah Yeah, compared to other people join in the rat race of like we are going to have 14 tvs like we own one tv and we're we're a family or that's not true we actually own two i'm sorry wait you have a tv you have two (laughs) (laughs) who has tvs anymore (laughs) yeah yeah but you know what i mean like when you start comparing things that's how you opt out in the u.s right you say okay i don't need all this crazy stuff right the other option is you can move abroad and you can have all the stuff and have the same sort of income and, and have all the stuff. You have the, you know, slide out TV or what. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. And, like, and not break the bank. Right. And you're not like consumed with it or you don't have to, but that is an option, right? You you can get there without with, you know, 2,500 bucks a month or whatever. The other, the, 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 the point against the U.S. here that I've, I've I'm not sure you guys are aware of is it sucks to be around that all the time. Mm. Like when you're surrounded by people who are living that rat race and spend, spend, spend upgrade to the latest iPhone upgrade to the uh, bigger house and the nicer car. Like when you're surrounded by that all the time, 
it's depressing. I find yeah. it depressing. Those people should move abroad, hundred percent. Get out of the. But your uh, your the, the 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 thing you forgot to mention about the U.S. the culture is. There is no culture other than consumerism. That is, I wouldn't agree with that. What it yeah. tell me? Tell me what the culture is other than spend, buy more, buy more, buy more, shop, and it's all based on tribalism. Everybody belongs to a tribe, and and you are marketed to mm-hmm. constantly, like whatever you identify as you get marketed to no end and then you feel like you have to buy, buy, buy. And the people you surround yourself with, your neighbors, you see the way they're living and keeping up with the Joneses, no pun intended. (laughs) And if if you opt out of it, then you become a weirdo. Yeah. Especially if you live in, especially if you live in a city where there aren't a lot of other weirdos. Yeah. Like it's easier to opt out when you're living in a bigger city and you can find uh, a lot of minimalist, uh, frugal people. Mm. But when you're living in suburban America in Louisville, Kentucky, 90% of your neighbors are living that nine to five uh, work and then come home, drink some beer, watch football. That's the. They want to have the nicest car in the in on the block or right. whatever. And again, <laughs> to use your expression, David, no shade to them. But if you want to be different than that, your environment is not friendly. Like it, it feels. Doesn't it feel sad to be surrounded by people who are? living a completely opposite lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It is all around. I mean, I, I don't know. I would encourage those people to move <laughs> if, if it's really like hurting them. Uh, I mean, there's toxic hotspots all over the place, you know? Yeah. And I would agree that uh, predominantly that a hundred percent or a hundred percent predominantly that doesn't make any sense but 99%. yes it sure <laughs> seems like most people are like that right so what personally right. I end up doing is yeah you like sort of cultivate that community of friends and, and people around you who maybe not you know specifically be right next to you maybe your neighbor is that uh, person who you know upgrades their car every year or whatever it is but, but- that's the way that I sort of get around it is the people that I hang out with are more like me than they are the other way. Um, but you're right. Like you still can't get away from it. Cause yeah, you're going, you go into the same shop and everybody is trying to sell you stuff and everybody else has the whatever new thing or whatever. Um, in some sense, I think I've just kind of become numb to it at some point, but is that a good thing? Uh, probably not. <laughs> if, if that's not the culture of the U.S., materialism and consumption, what is? No, I would agree with you on that, that, yeah, predominantly that is the case. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be the people that you associate with and compare yourself to. Sure. 
but it's a hell of a lot harder, right? But it's yeah, but it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's it. That's a good point to point out, though. No, I, I, I would, I think that's a good point to point out because it's easy to not even think about that as being a. I mean, you know, like we talk about, like the so, what's the social dilemma or something? These movies come out or consumerism or whatever. The documentary comes out and we talk about all the stuff and everybody knows. Yep, most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And yep, this is a bad thing. And everybody sort of knows this. But yet it's it's easy for it to just be part of your life. And then you go back and you're like, yep, this is something that's bad. But here we are just living in it, you know, living in the the fish in the in the water or whatever. So it's a it's an excellent point to point out like, hey, there's places where this is not the predominant worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I point out be- too just. I was I was going to say be careful not to blame it on the people because the people it's almost not even a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't blame it on the your neighbors. Blame it on the culture the and system. The, the exactly the system modern market <laughs> like honestly modern marketing was invented in the US where products and services and goods stop being marketed based on their like utility and instead more on their your how they'll change your identity you know hey, we do it the best <laughs> yeah <laughs> for better or worse <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. Yeah, it's it's accurate that there's this culture that we're in and it's a system and we can blame it on the system. I think you could also look at it as blaming it on people too because the people are the people who created the system and we can choose not to do that. Like, you know, Amish people who choose not to do that. Now, will that change the world that they live in, the roads that they're driving on and the people who drive by and laugh because you're the you're the weirdo who's not, conforming and and doing that no it doesn't right and that's where living in a different culture that it's more acceptable not to be in that world or in a culture where it's actually regulated like you know is it lima now anyway the cities that don't allow billboards like the u.s has billboards everywhere and you're like you go to a city that doesn't have billboards and you're like yeah i guess they just don't have consumerism here it's like no they regulate it so you can't put up billboards right so that goes back to the freedom thing of like are you allowed to put up billboards? Is is the freedom more important than the, you know, like is commerce more important than the uh, <laughs> than the quality of life? You know, where you're not having to look at ads like on every single corner and like there's a bench there and it has a realtor's ad on it. No, that kind of sucks. Like that we have that in the world, you know. But that's I guess that's the trade off, whatever. Um, okay, so. But, uh, I know maybe you guys don't want to get dragged down in this, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that the U.S., those freedoms and stuff that you talk about, that equality that you talk about, doesn't exist for everyone. And I mean, we, we, I think you, we have to at least acknowledge the history of this country and see acknowledge how it impacts many many americans 
living in the US. That's the fact that the country was built on the backs of slaves. And even after slavery ended, it never really ended. Because right after slavery was ended, during Reconstruction, the laws were changed so that Black people would be criminalized and arrested much more easily. And once you, be, once you get arrested in the U.S., you're, you don't have freedoms. Your freedom's gone, man. You, you, don't, you can't vote. You can, can't get jobs easily. If you have a criminal record, you're fucked in the U.S. And the laws in the U.S. are skewed towards arresting black and brown people. That's, I feel like it's not even debatable. And so, so those freedoms that we talk about, a lot of people, mass incarceration is a big thing in the U.S. Profit. Prisons for profit is a big thing in the U.S. Like these people are, it's just slavery in a different fashion. You know, they go to prison and start, manu- they manufacture, it's like made in the U.S. It's made from people in prison. You know, the, that's, the, that's the reality that a lot of people are slaves in the U.S. Because the laws are fucked, you know, for a lot of, um, you know, the crack versus the versus cocaine is the, the perfect example. If you get caught with crack, the sentence is like 10 times harsher than getting caught with cocaine. Why is that? Black people have crack, white people have cocaine. I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about redlining. Louisville is the like fucking perfect example of how our like cities were intentionally constructed so that the black people live on one side and the white people live on the other side. Look at Louisville. Louisville's the perfect example. On the, the west side, there's not a grocery store in sight. People don't have access to anything that the people on the east side have walk those streets and tell me the u.s is equal it's there's no walmart you can't go buy groceries you have to buy everything from a like fucking bodega so think about the health quality that they that the people on that side have you know their food options are donuts and soda People in those neighborhoods don't have the resources that people on the other side have. The transportation is terrible. So even if they want to get out, it's hard, it's difficult, and it's intentionally made difficult. You know, Baltimore, Baltimore, on the deeds of their houses, say this house cannot be sold to Black people. Like the neighborhoods were meant to be segregated. And you can tell me that like things are different and it's 2021 now. 
but really it's not. And the lasting impact, imagine coming from a race that was enslaved like a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, my dad's side, they were slaves. <laughs> like up until 1950, 1960, my parents weren't even legally allowed to get married in the US. Like this is the country that we're saying promotes freedom and equality. I, I don't believe it. It's like that. What was the stand-up comedian that I just, you put in the chat or something about him talking about how the, the football coach was praised for, you know, desegregating the football. And then he's like, but then you realize it was in the seventies, you know, and it was because, you know, they, they, they realized that, Oh, wow. These players are way better. Let's uh, let's recruit some of them so we can actually win some games. You know, a lot of truth in a lot of that, right? It's a checkmate from Bray. <laughs> There's a, I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't, you know, nobody can deny that. I'm sure that. I mean, there's got to be, you know, that there there is definitely racism in, you know. Latin countries too, but yeah, for here, you know, we all got to shame ourselves for uh, the shit that happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, for, I can't speak to the, you know, the lived experience, like, yeah, how hard, like, I can see exactly what you're saying, right? Especially like in Louisville, because we're a, we're a city or a state in the South or roughly in the South, you know, we sort of identify as Southern in, in a lot of ways. And, um, but it doesn't have to be Southern, of course, right. Um, for, for you to see that, see stuff in, in different cities and whatnot, but yeah, as far as like different areas of the city. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it's one of those things. Like if you, if you, um, sort of try to think of how to how to say this like if you if you struggle with because there's two sides of it right there's the one side of if you're the minority and this is a problem for you then maybe it is better to go live in the caribbean where you look like everybody else and you have a u.s passport and you have the income so maybe there's an argument to be made for I think the argument for me that I have to wrestle with isn't so much for the, because I don't look like a minority. I, you know, um, so I, I get all the benefits of being a white man in the U S in the middle of the country, you know, Midwest Southern state in the country. Right. So I, I sort of benefit from all of that. The thing, the, the question that I have to wrestle with is, am I okay? Like, taking advantage of that let's say or am i okay like supporting it because at some point it comes down to an idealism of like okay is it better to go support a country like i, I don't know i could just make up a like mexico like is it better to go support a country like mexico where maybe they have a better setup for racial inequality um personally this is and this i don't know that this is an argument because i, I frankly i don't know enough to say this but personally this is how i've thought about it right and maybe this is what what you're saying bryce is like you're just deceived marshall and that could be 
legitimately accurate, right? But the way that I've thought about it is it's better than all the other places. So an American citizen has saying it's a better situation for you or a better situation for everyone. Um, I'm going to say for everyone. Yikes. That is. (laughs) So, so like on average, maybe, or I don't know, maybe on average isn't the right way to put it, but I'm trying to think of like, um, and that's where I like, that's where maybe I just don't know. And I'm open to that being the case. But like, would it not be better to have a U.S. passport and be a U.S. citizen and be black and be born in West Louisville than be, I don't know, some minority in in Mexico that was born in Mexico with a Mexican passport? Or um, I guess, see, that that sort of changes the framing of what we're trying to talk about, though, because what we're trying to talk about is if you're a U.S. citizen, should you live in the U.S.? I think we didn't really stipulate that in the beginning, but it seems like that's kind of more the Mm -hmm. conversation. It's better to live in the U.S. If you're Peruvian, stay in Peru. Like, okay, that's fine. I'm not trying to convince people who are Peruvian to move to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, In the background, I guess part of, in the backdrop, some of what I think is related to something like that, but we don't have to talk about that so much, so. My my point, yeah, yeah, my point wasn't to encourage white guilt or anything like that. I think you should, like the Shane Gillis said, just embrace the your privilege, go for it. <laughs> Shane Gillis, that's who it was. But be a good careful one. when you start espousing these beliefs about how the U.S. is so free and you know has so much equality, and you have all of this and all of that in the U.S. I'd be really careful about that because what you experience is not the same right. experience for everybody. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that even, I mean, and this, I, I think this goes all over the world. People are judged by even the shade that they are. If you're mm-hmm. darker even in Mexico and mm-hmm. wherever, a lighter shade, more likely to have a manager, managerial position or whatever. And if you're much darker, then uh, you get judged by that 100%. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, in the US too. Yeah. Even by some, even by some uh, African Americans, probably, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes both ways. What do you guys think about, because you talked about the it's criminal system. Too. <laughs> I think the criminal system is pretty, There, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that, but we don't have to go into the whole thing. But um, I, I'm curious if, well, I'll say what I think. And then again, like I'm open to, if you guys think that this is wrong, I'm curious, like, yeah, this is something I should probably think about. I So when I traveled, I was much less concerned about danger in when I traveled than I than in the United States. Um, now, I've mostly lived in cities like Louisville's sort of a mid-sized city in the for the U.S. to like a million people or whatever. So it's not like a giant city, but it's not like the countryside, right? So if I grew up in the country, maybe that's a little different. You know, you kind of feel different. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, like going down dark streets or whatever in the U.S., I was more concerned. And frankly, a lot of times it was because there were less people 
So you go down a dark street in Louisville at night, there's not as many people around. So you don't have that like herd mentality. Yeah. Whereas when I was in other mask. countries, there were either a <laughs> bunch of people like Korea and Seoul, and there's a ton of people. And I don't feel like anybody's going to, maybe there's some pickpockets or whatever, but I'm not going to be physically hurt as, you know, I didn't have that fear. Um, yeah. Didn't you guys it, see it, like kids playing around at night and stuff in Korea? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would never happen. So, in, you know, certain places in the U S. So, but my, but my thought on that, when you mentioned the criminal system is, and, and this is where I'm kind of curious what you guys think about it, kind of look into this more, but I felt safer, but I would be much more, and maybe this is like the white privilege coming out in, in me, right? I would be much more, I, if I was going to be arrested, I'd rather be arrested in the United States than anywhere else in the world <laughs> as an American citizen, as a white male American citizen in Louisville, Kentucky. Do you think, and it's so dependent upon the country too, like what laws and whatnot, but I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that in general, you, yeah. you think that's not accurate? I don't know enough about international prisons to really comment. And I don't, I guess honestly, that's I don't problem. know enough about international prisons. They seem super sketch. And like you said, I guess you said you don't have any rights when you go to prison in the US. And I'm like, well, compared to anywhere else, I would definitely not want to try you know, well, certainly I, I not Saudi Arabia. You're, you're, certainly you're thinking not, about like, you know, certain countries like, you know, Thailand, right. so that's India, curious, and like, maybe things like that. Mexico, but if you like, go to prison know. in like Luxembourg or something, I'm sure it's going to be a piece of cake. And, you know, you, you hear about the European countries and how their prisons are, are actually structured on reform, reform yeah. instead of um, judgment and uh, justice. You know, the U.S. has a mentality of justice, lock them up, throw away the keys. Um, other countries are trying to help the people, help the people get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you see the pictures of the, the, the prisons in third world countries where every, there's like a thousand people right. in the room or something scared. like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when we're, when we're talking about is the U S the best country? We're not comparing it to third world countries exclusively. We can also compare it to developed countries like, I don't know, right. Germany, mm -hmm. Portugal, these types of Spain. Norway. But I think you were talking about a lot Nor of the, yeah, Norway, the quality of life Norway and, right? and these, and these, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the quality of life. So in my mind, I'm right. thinking if, of these countries you're saying, that aren't like, if you're saying, do I want to get arrested in the U.S. or arrested in a third world country? Yeah, probably the U.S. I don't know. Um, it'd be a toss up because maybe you don't even survive the arrest. Um, do you like when you think of third world countries, too? Because I was thinking like I haven't spent much time in Mexico, so I can't comment on what it feels like to be there. But I mean, maybe it's probably similar to my experience in South America. That's probably a huge generalization, but um, no, like this... maybe Thailand, like we've all been to Thailand, right? Would you consider Thailand a third world country in the sense of like, because if I were to move somewhere, Thailand would be one of the places I would think of to go live for cheap, for good quality. It just comes to mind. Like I haven't done a lot of research on this, but of places that I've been and lived, that is a place that comes to mind, right? So in that example, I would vote US prison or US legal system for me personally, but I don't know. Mexico doesn't feel like a third world country. It doesn't even, it feels like a first world country Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a, a Costco down the street for God's sake, you know, it's, it's, it's not, 
like people living in shanties or anything. Um, How do you compare I that mean, to like Thailand? A, you're in a nicer area though, right? The entire like city is impoverished. Uh, but there, what I'm what I'm trying to describe the city as, there's no poverty. I mean, there's. I'd say it's the equivalent of walking through West Louisville, maybe in some areas. But it's not like children on the corner begging for. Right, not Cambodia. Yeah, it's not Cambodia or anything like that. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's much better than the U.S. because there's no homelessness here that I notice. Mm. You know, in the U.S., I mean, there's fucking like tent cities in downtown Louisville. If you walk through downtown Louisville, it's like the apocalypse just happened in a lot of parts. Go under the bridge. In downtown Louisville, you know where the Taco Bell is? Like, holy shit. It, like, these people walk around like zombies because they're all, the opioid crisis is like killing these people. And there's just tents lined up. I mean, you don't, you don't see that here. Well, why do you think I that mean, is, though? What, what do you think happens dude, to those people? In, there's homelessness in everywhere. You're just not I'm, in that spot. I'm pretty sure like half of Mexico. Oh yeah. I'm saying there's definitely, <laughs> I'm saying there's homelessness in some cities. Yes. I'll acknowledge that in Medellin where we just were in Colombia, there was a lot of homelessness. I mean, I was tripping over homeless people there, but um, where we are right now, it's good. I, I don't notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah, true that's in a lot of places though, right? Like you can always go to places that don't have homelessness. Sure, you can avoid it, right? Like your experience, right. your right. experience I mean. of Louisville doesn't have homelessness, but if you drive 15 minutes west, there's a whole lot right. of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's what David's saying about Mexico, right? Like you could go to places and have really bad conditions in Mexico. You go to too. places and get shot up. Like it's just, I just didn't know that it was like the strongest of arguments because there's poverty everywhere there's homelessness everywhere sure but i'm i'm interested to learn you know i love this kind of argument i I feel like i hope that people don't you know take all of our word as a you know profound truth i mean marshall and i are are both white and we're arguing to stay in the u.s (laughs) and like rise is black you know yeah one more point even if you were living in the u.s you might not argue that you know because you get it's a different world honestly do you think it or go ahead go ahead another point go ahead um well i mean we're we're kind of running up on time here but i wanted to throw this out there and say i believe the u.s is a country in decline so if you are committing to the U.S. long term, you're committing to a country that's in decline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you can observe that personally. And I think you can read about it and just. It's um, it, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. You know, the. It, it seems like. The big cities are where it's at, you know, the New Yorks, the Miamis, DC, Cal- the coast, the coast is where everything is. And then 
the the middle is just like a black hole and that's a generalization but it doesn't feel like anything is being like it's not innovative there's the the inflation stuff is what scares me the most you know the um there's an interesting site i can link it about how after the us got off the gold standard in 1971 um everything has just been going downhill since then because your money's being devalued the money's being devalued and the cost of living is going down because wages aren't keeping up with all of the money printing and i think you can experience that firsthand just talking to my parents it's like <laughs> i talked to my mom the other day she's like aldi isn't cheap anymore <laughs> it's like this doubled in price and i think it'll sneak up on you and before you know it it's like it doesn't even sneak up on you, you know, like yeah. eating, eating out at a restaurant used to be like $10 and now it's 20. So it's real. It's happening. And just, just like little stuff, you know, when you go to China, when I was in China in 2014, nobody used cash, <laughs> you know, nobody used credit cards. It was all mobile payments. You just, mobile payment and everybody accepted it in the u.s you know there's like you're still plugging in the credit card or taking cash and it just feels backwards in a lot of way like it's going backwards instead of forwards yeah i would agree i think that the technology side is if if you live in the u.s and you think that we're the greatest superpower and we have the best technology and the whatever you haven't traveled very much because certainly Asia, I haven't done a lot of traveling in Europe. Um, there's some crazy nonsense out there that is super cool that we're not even, that's just standard in places. I mean, I just go back to public transportation. Like mm, the fact that we don't exactly. have public transportation in the U S but a lot of that comes back to our mindset on things as far as, like public transportation, what does that mean? It means taxes and it means the government deciding, okay, hey, we're going to jump in and we're going to do this. Or it means some giant company saying, okay, it makes most sense for us to put in this rail car and make money off people. And, you know, that's kind of our, our mentality in the US is totally different than a Korea where Korea is like, this is going to be better for our country. We're going to get a lot more done. We're going to build more cell phones. This is going to be better for everybody. Let's do this. And we do it. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of the, my recent trip to Colombia and Medellin. They built a subway system in the mid nineties and it's just done wonders for the city. The mm -hmm. poverty has gone down because it's connected the poor parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now the poor jobs, people can go get jobs and nice jobs. They yeah, can exactly. move around and they don't feel so isolated anymore. Like imagine right. if Louisville had a subway system. Yeah. And, but and you can't even, you can't system. even imagine it though, because well, the U S it would never happen. In the not US. only do you have to, ha well, the problem in the U S is that not only do you have to have the subway system, I think just having it would start to change mindset as well. I think behavior follows ease and accessibility, but right now our culture in the U S is if you ride the bus, 
Mm-hmm. then that's looked down on you what you don't have a car even if you have like a little honda civic that's from you know a, a 2001 honda civic you're like oh that's what you've got and i'm like <laughs> yeah it gets you around like what are you talking about like our cars are all old cars like you know we drive cars until they like fall apart and like that it's a different mindset right but that's mm-hmm. not our mindset there so i certainly and that goes back to the consumerism mindset of like i don't agree like personally i i I'm on the politics side that David started out with of freedom. And I don't think that the, you know, the government of, you know, the United States should build a subway system in, in Louisville. I don't even know that the government of Kentucky should build a subway system in Louisville. I don't know that the government of Louisville should build that, but somebody should stand up and be like, we can make enough money and this will be good enough for us. Let's get enough signatures and enough dollars and do this. But our mindset is wrong. So we don't. And so we still look down on people who ride bikes and ride the bus that doesn't show up for an hour when you're at the bus stop. And so we're in this sort of self-perpetuating thing. So it's like some of the mindset that we like this freedom and this, you know, the idealism of no taxes or whatever. I agree with that. But the downside of that is you don't have a benevolent, a benevolent dictator jumping in and saying, no, this is going to be better for you. Have this. Have universal healthcare, have subway systems, have whatever, have this, have this, have that, you know. But I mean, speaking of taxes, the taxes are outrageous in the US. You know, they're not as high as the Europe, Europe, European countries, but they're a hell of a lot higher than a lot of countries. And right. Like, what are right. your taxes going we're to? We're just paying all the IRS people to get more taxes. Like we're paying people to collect taxes. We're paying people to put out cones on the street and then pick them back up. Well, what's it going to? You to know? fight wars in Afghanistan that don't even fucking make sense? You know, it's, right. you're paying your hard earned tax money. And instead of, it's go- instead of it going to subways and stuff that actually would make your life better, it's just going down the drain so that brown people die in foreign countries. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah, it just comes back to the mindset of what what we're mindset and being divided on it in some sense. You know, being so independent has its downsides. Like I think I, I probably shared an article with you a while back, right, about the U.S. of how like the reason that there were so many benefits was because there was so much land compared to other, especially European countries where people came from originally. Uh, there was all this land. And so people like had developed this sort of independent streak of I own this acreage of property or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And so now we have this culture where the laws and things are set up a certain way that in a lot of ways is good. But it's almost like it's taken too far in some cases. And so we miss out on luxuries that other people have that having a different mindset would in some ways be more practical and get you like you said, like quality of life things, you know, the quality of life stuff starts to go, can go up. Um, I wanted to say one more, uh, one more thing about the, the fear and how you said you're afraid in the U S I think that has to do with the programming you receive from the media. A lot of that. I'm curious if it actually is based on real world experiences or just programming because one thing about living in the US, you're programmed. You're programmed to believe that all the other countries are dangerous. Everything in Mexico is dangerous. And you've got it so good in the US. You're pro you're fed that, you're spoon-fed that 
from the media consumption. Why do you think most Americans don't travel? They're scared. And or they don't why have do the you money. <laughs> that too, because they're stuck in the nine to five rat race, but people are programmed. People are programmed not to go to West Louisville because it's scary. And because there's a lot of crime there and that you'll get right. shot and all of this and everybody's bad over there. That's just some like fucking nonsense, you know, go take a walk into a neighborhood. Sure. Maybe there are some places you don't want to just take a stroll through casually, but be careful that you don't just assume things are dangerous because you've been told they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of nice people in the U S and a lot of people assume things because they're from a certain area or there's a certain, um, certain neighborhoods you shouldn't go into. It's a lot of it's just (laughs) the news, you know, (laughs) turn on the news and you hear, you never hear anything happy on the news. So if you're reading the newspaper, you're watching TV, it's, this this person got shot in in West Louisville today and don't go there. Right. I think one cool thing that is just coming out as you're talking about that too is because we talked about, you know, quality of life living in somewhere like Mexico, uh, you know, luxury and maybe you know, like public transportation and like in China or mobile pay or wherever. I think what's interesting about the whole thing that it kind of comes back to is what living abroad taught me, it taught me a bunch of things, right? But one of the things, and this conversation is kind of helping remind me, is that you can choose what you prioritize and you can choose to go to that place where you you get that more of. So for instance, if you prioritize having 24-7 places that are open, you could move to New York City and high cost of living there, or you could move somewhere, you could move to like, you could move to Seoul and have a teacher salary so you don't make a lot of money, actual actual money, but the your lifestyle will be about what you'd have in a New York City type place. Um, I mean, that's probably not exactly accurate, but you know what I mean? Like you're in, mm-hmm. in a big city, you have the public transportation, whatever. Um, or you can choose to go to a place like Mexico and live in a city there, or you could choose to live in the countryside of Mexico, or you could choose to live. And that's what I think. And I would argue that is true in the U S as well. And even people in the U S like it's easy to just get stuck in a city and not realize you can move somewhere else or, or a country. Like, I don't like this. I'm stuck here in Brandenburg or whatever. I would counter that with, you better be white. If you're doing that, you do not want to be a Brown person out in the, the boonies in the U S. It might be accurate. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah. And even like if you move from, you know, if you, I think that's the other thing I haven't mentioned, whatever, but like what I like about the U S too, is like being able to see different parts of it and travel around internally, which you could say that about any country really, or any larger country, I guess. Um, most larger countries, but, um, you can move in the US, right? Like you could go live in a different in a different city or wherever. You can go live abroad. You can do all this stuff. Like it's really easy, I think, to get in this mindset. Like you're just where you are. 
and at least as an American citizen, right? Let me accept, you know, and maybe we can accept if uh, if you're an American citizen who makes a certain, you know, middle class American citizen, and maybe you want to throw in there and you're white or and you're, you know, whatever. There's certain things, of course, right? But in general, for the people that I talk to, my friends and relatives and people roughly in my sort of world, uh, you can choose and just go somewhere and like you can have the life that you want. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be like, I'm stuck here in whereverville or I'm, you know, whatever. Like, hell yeah. You know, definitely anyone listening who's an American and doesn't have a passport, get it. You don't have to commit to this type of lifestyle that I'm living, but don't be scared. Go try it out for a week or a month. See if you like it. Don't assume that your country is the best. Agreed. How'd we do debate moderator? Are you talking to me? <laughs> You're the only qualified debate moderator. Here. I am not a qualified debate moderator. <laughs> is, the, is that a actual like certificate or something that you can get? Uh, I'm sure it is maybe. Yeah, I'm sure it is, but I am, I don't have that. <laughs> no, I think it was fun. I think it was, uh, I mean, I think I learned a lot and yeah, it was, it was interesting to talk through. Yeah. I feel like we kept it fairly civil. I got a little fired up there for a few things. Well, what's funny about it, yeah, it's, it's funny is not the right word for it, but um, yeah, it just comes down to what you like prioritize because everything that you said, there wasn't a thing that you said where it was like, no, you're wrong about that. I mean, maybe there was a couple things, you know, whatever, like details about the legal system or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I probably, I don't know, but in general, it might yeah, 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 like, definitely you know, fact check that because right, the legal system <laughs> in the U.S. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bat for that over every other place for U.S. citizens. Right. For U.S. citizens, um, I'd rather be in the U.S. than most of the other places that I've been. I don't know if that's accurate. Probably check that out. You know, no, we, but, we, we could save that for another day because the legal system here is pretty fucked. You know, most people don't even go to trial. They just take the plea plea bargain and take time instead of actually going to court because it takes a lot of money to fight your case. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like at least I, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I don't know enough about it. In my mind, that's the way it exists. Maybe that's not accurate, though. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's fun though. I'm I'm glad you talked about the uh, how meaningful it is to spend time with your family. Definitely made me miss mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made me miss the you know street food. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this is David. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. Our goal is to inspire people to have more honest and vulnerable conversations. You can help us do that by not only sharing the show, but also having meaningful conversations of your own. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to catch our next talk.